0: Hello, everybody, and welcome back to New Books in Psychoanalysis, a podcast channel of New Books Network. I'm Dr. Roy Barsman, psychoanalytic psychologist, professor, educator, and founder and executive director of the Contemporary Psychodynamic Institute, and author of Core Competencies in Relational Psychoanalysis. And I am your host for today. I have the privilege of interviewing psychoanalyst Robin McCoy Brooks, author of Psychoanalysis, Catastrophe, and Social Action, which was released this year by Rutledge. Robin is a union analyst and is in private practice, is an educator and a consultant here in Seattle. She's also the co-editor in chief of the International Journal of Union Studies and serves on the board of directors of the International Association for Union Studies. She's also the founding member of the New School for Analytic Psychology, and I could go on and on. Um, I will, from this book, the title, psychoanalysis, catastrophe and social action, what we are seeing is a fascinating vol- volume using psychoanalytic theory to explore how political subjectivity comes about within the context of global catastrophe. You can see the relevance, uh, just given in our, the situations we are in our world today of this particular text. In this text, Robin offers arguments through a thorough and impressive understanding of Kristeva's theory of significance the Keynes collective logic Heidegger's secular reading of the apostle paul and jung's conception of neighbor welcome robin
1: thank you roy and also th- thanks for your kind and thoughtful introduction i can tell that you've actually read what i've written in, um, in our preamble before we started recording and now I also want to thank you for your service. This is a service of interviewing authors such as myself so that an interested public can have access to information, which is a collective in itself, a form of community building that that I just want to acknowledge. I also want to thank the listeners who are part of that community that even though they they don't exist yet and they're invisible. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so thank you.
0: Oh, thank you for that as well. And the other thing I think we should let our listeners know is that we're both from Seattle. And the cool thing about Robin is uh, she shelters, she writes this, she's sheltering in place aboard a wooden boat on Salmon Bay with her husband and with two Siamese cats. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I think that's pretty cool, living on a boat. Thank you. Although I'm totally sitting on a piece of land. (laughs) 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 <laughs> uh, but yeah. yeah so welcome i want to say to you robin your book was very challenging for me um in a way that um i i, I just want to tell you my own personal story right now is I, I increasingly feel that i'm losing my own mind as to how to live in this world it seems a world that seems preoccupied with itself and i often find myself anxious in that, on the one hand, I'm seeing that we're becoming increasingly capable of recognizing complexity and multiplicity of the human being condition and a greater regard for difference. Yet, on the other hand, these differences often seem turned in on oneself and often feel strident, demanding personal recognition, lacking regard for the other. I often feel flummoxed just trying to get my, my bearings and wondering sometimes, have I, what have I misread? What have I misunderstood? Who have I harmed? And often feeling within these misreads a, des- a deep desire for a conversation, but most often they devolve into a debate or into a teaching moment. And it seems to me we have become bifurcated and split and politically hostile in our differences and very siloed. And yet you bring us into this work, and your primary thesis in this text is trans uh, subjectivity. And you're illustrating for me at least, and I believe the reader in general, that transformation personally, culturally, politically, emerges not from my individual subjectivity alone, but is located within the context of the greater whole." What do you think of, my, of how you've impressed me? What what does that uh, bring up in you as, as we enter into this discussion? Well,
1: I, I think you've nailed it, the greater whole, but also not just the conglomeration of a global community, but certainly that, but also the groups, communities, societies that we are constantly engaging in—you know—identity groups, um, as well as psychoanalytic groups and our friend groups, etc. As we were also, as we talked about earlier, the um, our ancestral influences that trans historically influence us in a variety of ways, depending on your clinical experience and mine, but there's a lot of theories about that, especially in union psychology. But there's more and more coming on about not just trans-historical trauma, but that which exceeds the trauma, but is also our ancestral heritage that we can reclaim. So that is part of group, not just the, certainly in the public realm, there's a, but there's the psychical realm.
0: Yes. But what is, uh, happening, do you think, to our, uh, our own psychical realm, if you will? I'm going to quote, you use Kristeva's description of humankind, where she says, the modern person has lost their capacity to apperceive or represent their experience in imaginatively, imaginately, imaginatively empowered ways. And what I hear you trying to do in this text is to, Ignite something in our minds to have a more imaginative idea about how we live with one another
1: mm-hmm. I am, but I also respond to some uh, outside the the monolith of psychoanalytic theory or certainly my own field field of hyper training because i'm a I, I skate in the different fields of psychoanalysis, so i want to so with that introduction i want to speak a little bit about uh, evolutionary sociologist. His name is Nicholas Christakis. And he described what contributes to a good society in his ex- extensive research on the biology of social behavior. So let's, let's bring another discipline in here for a moment. So he claims that we are innately equipped as a species to get this band together, live cooperatively with each other, befriend each other, recognize uniqueness, show kindness, love, reciprocity in our relationships, and to learn socially while teaching what we know. I just read um, a synopsis of his book, one of them. And uh, and so, so I'm interested in the conditions that allow the individual and or community of people to ex- access these innate, and shall I add, psychological ca- capabilities, especially, in our shared corporal vulnerability and psychological dependency that becomes heightened in collective catastrophe, such as COVID, COVID lives in the room right now with us and, and, and the other sustained catastrophes that, that we face daily, but we face them not as individuals, but as individuals within collectives. So um, based on, so uh, so, your your question is, what do I think about? So, based on you know, so so mm, bio, biology and social study indicates that we have these innate abilities. So, I think it's our job as analysts to think beyond the frame of the analytic dyad and to embrace the social worlds beyond mom and dad and uh, his, uh, the you know, historic trauma within a, a lifespan and, un, and allow mm, political trauma or to allow the traumas of our times to, in, into the analytic space, for starters, and engage them and develop methods to listen and hear them and uh, and let that be part of what we think is psychoanalysis, one. And two is to, I can talk about this later, but to work collectively in our, within our institutes, within our areas of training and with each other so that we can build theories and practices that uh, that are, are viable and into, into what the world needs today. Based on these, uh, so that, What's innate in me can become activated. And, and my one of my central thesis is transubjectivity, which I'll get into later, is an aspect of that activation. It allows an individual in a group to individuate beyond its own capacities, the capacity of the individual, the capacity of the group. So in a world that is disindividuating, what do we need to do as analysts? What can we bring up with our knowledge of psyche? into the collective practice, uh, collective practice, but recognition that we'll start with that, that recognition that that's, that's happening.
0: Well, this is good. So I want, to, I want to move us into uh, the trans subjectivity and this idea of individuate. What did you say? Individuate what? Um,
1: well, collective individuation.
0: Uh, yeah. 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 Um, I just want to underline though. Uh, and, and, uh emphasize for our listeners that uh Robin was referring to um Nicholas uh Kostakis. Uh I think that's a powerful thing for us to remember that we are uh naturally equipped for um for relationship and for um what did I'm gonna see it here again uh innately equipped as a species to band together and live cooperatively Befriend one another, recognize uniqueness, show kindness. I just think it's a, it's a really important um, reference that you've given us to remind us of what we are innately. Um, and the second thing that you I wanted to highlight that you said in your in your text is you critiqued us as psychoanalysts um, that we have privileged the subject uh, and disavowing in in that way the socio political dimensions of reality. Through which we enact our relationships i just think that's a really brilliant insight that you are offering in that in that particular part of the text mm-hmm. so do you want to talk about trans and this whole um idea of individuation
1: i do but i first want to say why i care about this uh, other than the fact that um, the world's burning down, and I ca- and I care about th- the broad picture of it. But so, wh- my skin in the game, if you will, is that uh, 30 years ago, th- 30 plus years at the at the onset of the AIDS pandemic, uh, it was epidemic at the time. My colleagues Graham Harriman and Lucia and I worked together uh, in the in the forming process of an HIV AIDS community in Portland, Oregon, that then was called Project Cat Quest. And it was an egalitarian community of care, which is a central theme in my book. What is care? Eventually, for That eventually formed, and this is important, a nonprofit mind-body AIDS clinic for and by the people it served. And the Quest... It wasn't an anomaly, but it serves as an example of the healing power of community and how I, as an individual, may awaken to something I really care about within a community of care in relation to others that I might not have known anything about, which I didn't, that has the potential to mobilize a group towards collective action on behalf of itself when the world doesn't care. And so, yeah, so... So there was that experience. And so then Graham, by the way, presently is a survivor of HIV AIDS and director of, I'm reading this part because I no way I could remember, a director of HIV health and human services planning council in New York city and the department of health and mental health. So, uh, he, he, he does policy and manages money, um, at, at the high end level, uh, Thirty-five years ago, here's a beginning therapist. Lucia Marx is a, presently a medical psychologist, and she's also a co-founder of Project Quest. By the way, exists today, and but it's called she's the co she's the co-founder of Project Quest, uh, and also the clinical director. And it's a Quest Center for Integrative Health in Portland, Oregon. So, with that background, I will say in two thousand fifteen, Graham, out of the blue, was at a conference in Seattle from New York, and he. He wanted to, he sounded desperate even to see me. And so uh, we met on his way to the airport. We grabbed that precious hour. And I I remember the lighting of the bench where, um, I may cry when I tell this story, but we we were sitting on a bench outside of my office in Seattle. And and he uh, immediately, we kind of dropped into that, the familiar way of being with each other from our shared history and at some point he, out of his mouth he blurted why didn't we write it down he said and the, I knew it he, he didn't have to say what it was and so we cried and we're sitting there crying in the sunlight uh, and shortly thereafter we actually decided to write the book uh, we are actually that's another book we're writing now that Rutledge just accepted. So, but that book focuses on uh, doesn't focus. It doesn't have a psychoanalytic focus. Although I'm a third of it, it's more of a mental health focus and the healing power of community. So, but I wanted to write a psychoanalytically oriented book that became an articulation of what I learned. Then, to kind of work through the theories that we already have, and to in all of the, our various. Mm-hmm. archipelago of, of traditions and uh, and kind of formulate my own based on my own very real experience, not just the dream. And to see if it's applicable, you know, to see, uh, and it is. Uh, I knew it would be, but I needed to find, I excuse me, I'm having to remove a sign. It's a kitty, come on, blah, blah. So, um, and so one of the big problems was, is like, can individual psychology explain social phenomena? And and I've seen it done, in my opinion, done badly. Where I mean, there there are certain dangers of rushing to, to the fore there, and that's why I think we need to be do this transdisciplinarily within a cross pollination of psychoanalytic thought and bringing in social sciences, um, ethno, you know, you know. Uh, um, sociology and so on uh, other disciplines that can and so that we can think together uh, 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 also I'm a group leader my I cut my teeth in learning how to work with groups and so project quest emerged on a group platform we worked with individuals and primarily groups individuals and groups and so when I the last thing I want to say with regard to this is why what's my skin in the game when I was in analytic training I never mentioned this experience. Can you imagine that? It, because the, I didn't mention it till the end, And when I did, you know, once I was already passing, because uh, one, one of my analytic teachers said, well, I don't know how you, his only comment was, I don't know how you handle all the transferences. And I, you know, so I'm, that's what I'm thinking about. But I didn't talk about it because nobody knew about group theory they weren't skilled for the most part uh, how to lead groups unless they just happen to be gifted that way as gifted teachers most of us aren't some are so that's part of my critique is part of my personal history is I didn't talk about it so that's why it wasn't until 2015 when I was pulled into the visceral memory of AIDS that I felt the necessity to talk about it
0: yeah I want to take you back to something you said between you and your friend. Um, what did he say to you when you were sitting on the bench?
1: He said, why didn't we write it down?
0: Ah, why didn't we write it down? And and so would you say that part of your motivation is you've discovered how important it is, and the motivation is we got to write this down, and we need to start talking about it?
1: Right, not just the memory of what happened then, but how it's applicable Today yeah. in today's world,
0: yeah, yeah. Um, <clears throat> in your book, um, you also talk about Connie, the case Connie that you worked with. With, and um, I would like maybe would you like to tell us a little bit about that and how it relates to um, to this story?
1: Well, yeah, it completely relates. It in the chapter that I really break it down. In Lacanian the, in the language, uh, is what Lacan's notion of logical collectivity and where he, in The Prisoner's Dilemma, he breaks down, um, using his theories, basically three stages of psychical time where a group... Well, I, I, it's my reading of him. He doesn't say it, but I extend what he says. Where the, the collective it, it mobilizes on behalf of itself towards a shared aim.
0: Yeah. Say that again. That's a really good line that I think we need to hear twice.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay. Let's see if I can do it. Where, you know, where t-
0: uh, <laughs> we're,
1: we're the collective mobilizes <laughs> together on its own behalf towards a shared aim. Yeah. And so the example that I use, and I'm going I'm to look, I'm going to read from that example. There's a vignette that I then critique or use I think against to build my case, and uh, and then I'll then I'll go to. I'm gonna. Here it is. Yeah. So here's the vignette, and it was during this time, and it gives an example. These examples happen all the time. Uh, this was,
0: the
1: the the, the trans subjective event that occurs where, there's this, where the, the group then rises on behalf of itself, usually through an individual, but others are kind of thinking about it. And then there is a spontaneous action. Uh, it, it can happen uh, in a clinical session. It can happen at the Thanksgiving table if certain conditions are in place, where you know, there's, there's chit chat and we're talking and talking, and then suddenly the topic drops into the realm of depth. That's what I'm talking about or around the campfire camping or on a hiking trail or on the phone or even a, and, or in a Zoom conference. And it's learning to recognize. But this is it certainly happens in groups because I've led groups all my life. And there's a lot of time where there's a milling around and it's not happening. But when it happens, it's like it takes my breath away.
0: Uh-huh. Yeah.
1: Even at the, including the Thanksgiving table. <laughs> you know, so that's learning to recognize. Uh, so here's the vignette and it's.
0: <laughs> Before you go on to that, uh, here's I, here's what I wrote down uh, uh, when I was reading this part of your book and uh, the idea. And I'm also responding to um, your person who said to you, how do you handle all those transferences? I think what I'm hearing from you and what I understand is you have, you don't (laughs) those and those multiple transferences become a part of as the case of connie a part of the entire community and um what i wrote down here is it brings us together in is the collective that recognizes our universality while holding our separateness and our uniqueness
1: yes that's exactly right and these moments of solidarity emerge over time that then that then build towards this happens in primary relationships that builds towards a collective action on behalf of itself. And it, and it can be social justice. It could be, you know, well, but in this case, it was a group individuals who were living and dying of AIDS. Yeah. So, uh, and you will see um, it's the individuals moving through various uh, in the group. It's a group therapy situation where everybody's there because they want to turn towards the wound of their being that was opened through the wound of AIDS. A natrachlic, if you will, or coup moment where this is where I mean that where catastrophe opens us to our woundedness and we have an opportunity to make use of it on a collective level. If we can bear the libidinal intensity and in community, it's easier to bear and Individual work also helps, but not in and of its in and by it's not by itself. Yeah, yeah. Would
0: Cata- what did you say? Catastrophe opens us up to what?
1: It opens us uh, to the wound of our of our being.
0: And the other thing I just heard you say is, um, I just lost it, but it's something about the collective and uh, not just the individual, where we look for uh, change. Yeah. Than that, but.
1: yeah um, yes, where we move towards this is moves towards the trans subjective, which I I skated over. But I think it's. Well, let me read this vignette and then we can break down if you don't mind the what the trans subjective moment is. I talk about it a little. So here's the scene. We go. Oh yeah, when that happened, and then I would ask you listening, you boy, and others. When is something, it's not going to be in an AIDS psychodrama retreat on Orcas Island, but, you know, in your own collective experiences, when it happens, you know it, you know it, you feel it in your body. And, and it's like an expansion with and amongst others, life-changing and, and, and from a little bit to a lot. Yeah. So, okay. So here we go. Um, are you ready? So just, sure. yeah. So oh, are
0: you reading it from the book, by the way? Yes. How uh, what page?
1: Um, I'm reading it, not from my transcript, but I can tell you where it is.
0: Is it, the, is it the Connie?
1: Yes, it's the Connie vignette. Right. The, yeah, okay. So there's a Connie vignette in the chapter before this, but i um, break it down. So, uh, let's see. So um, Lucia Graham and I are with, are with 28 participants living with AIDS at Doe Bay Resort on Orcas, Orcas Island during the night one of our members whom i will call connie began to ministrate in her sleep blood quietly hemorrhaging out of her body on the mattress and floor throughout the night we found her in a coma in the morning as we were gathering for the first session of the day our entire community moved into action within moments Constance connie was being carried on a mattress to one of our vans. Greg Kerrigan describes the moment this way. We could all see our own death then. It was at that same time so healing because we were all literally lifting her on her mattress over us. She floated over the top of us. We headed towards a colorful van decorated with a hand-painted rainbow motif. One of the re- retreat participants spontaneously started to play his flute and long soulful notes accompanied the somber procession to the van. We were quite suddenly thrown in the Heideggerian sense from the order of the everyday into a reality that we were already immersed but that had had somehow eluded us. That is the ordinariness of our lives had quite violently been punctured by the reality of Connie's blood. What that foretold—our powerlessness and responsibility to her impossible demand. Lucia and Deb Borgelt drove towards the ferry that would then that would take them to a hospital off island. Next, I remembered that Graham and I, half mad with fatigue. We're sitting on a sofa preparing to gather the group, instinctively holding each other's hands like a lifeline. Such a tender moment. We were all engulfed in a fierce eddy of unintelligible forces that were swirling around and through us. "Are you ready?" I asked, looking into his eyes. "Yes," he said. We stood up and moved into the gathering storm.
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: that retreat, which I don't go into here, but I do in the book we're writing now, actually opened up a lot of exploration that confirms what I wrote here. And I wanna read to what a logical collectivity looks like in the third moment that I talk about later in this chapter. We are not leper things. This is in the leper things Mm -hmm. chapter.
0: Yeah, what, and what a great uh, moving case to introduce us to this idea of the collective expression of care. Yeah. Yeah, please.
1: You can see it. I, I can, In my mind, I could see it as I was reading it. The way that, so the vividness of it, the coloring, everything. So some of this is Lacanian theory, so I'm going to go over some of it and try. I want to stick to the poignant moments so that Amplify what I mean by trans-subjectivity. So the subject of our narrative, so now it's an individual who's unconsciously, who's pre-consciously forming this narrative in their mind uh, through the retreat. And so that, so, um, so what is the claim Connie has on me or rather the symbolic investiture I have in her as an ego ideal that make that uh, period. Her la- that symbolized it, that's um, that makes itself known through her lack. Her lack is symbolized by the void of her womb, revealed through the, the real evacuation of blood. Her blood reveals her lack. Being must return to the wound of the encounter from which Connie's devastating lack is revealed. Here the subject must face Connie's impossible demand to give her what she lacks, her lost object. But now it dawns on him that what she lacks is not his to give. He is, go- he is called to give her what he does not have, or I'm missing, I'm, I can feel emotion rising in my body as I read this, or is his to give. One of Lacan's many definitions of love, What Connie needs is beyond her own capability to acquire, her lost object or the subject's ability to help her. The full effect of the transference is mobilized when the subject identifies with something that the other's other is not aware of, and more importantly, is singularly meant for him to make use of. That's really crucial there. He cannot save her. Now see, we're moving beyond what I need to what the other needs that is inextricably bound to my own psyche. He cannot save her, heal her from AIDS, or put the blood back into her body, nor poignantly can he save himself. He must face the two lacks, his own failure to meet the letter of Connie's impossible demand and his own constitutive lack, his own lost object of which he now only has a momentary glimpse. This movement inaugurates what we are calling transsubject, trans, transsubjectivity, through which a collective truth may be known. Then I break it down. The subject is now compelled to face his own timeless shame for being impotent and helpless in the first place, for seeing Connie and her absolute naked helplessness, and for turning away with repulsion. I'm ashamed for my repulsion by the sight and smell of your vaginal blood, I was repulsed, this came out later in the retreat, I'm repulsed looking at your bleeding vagina, yet I could not look away and at this very virus-ridden blood that is killing both of us, no, all of us. I'm ashamed for hating myself for having AIDS and for, for how I contract, contacted the virus in the first place and for turning away from my own raw, raw helplessness. Suddenly, a new thought flashes up that pivots, see the self-exploration that's happening here, that moves through the subject, that pivots the subject from the present field of desire to another psychical borderland between two other phantasmatic and somatic bodies. Is this a birth or a death room? We can almost hear the the psychical churning of prima Materia, where formlessness incarnates itself further into its own logical other. Desire for Lacan is always known through the body. The subject can only traverse the libidinal weight of the question so far without going up in flames. However, from this new perspective, the subject can see Connie and himself with raw and open eyes, and now he makes this turn. The subject opens up historicity through the voices of others past and present to which he is now able to respond. Another question arises, there is the past that immemorial that I was referring to earlier. Another question arises, who do I want? <clears throat> what do I want of myself in relation to your need? What do you need of me that requires me to exceed how you have been cared for in our world and how I have cared or been cared for? And further, another stunning bolt of clarity. She relies on me to know how to be and what to do no matter what. And that's the transfer there. It, where I the subject becomes, takes on a responsibility within his own psychodynamic reality. And so then I'm going to skip down to the subject of Lacan's before you go on. Yes. yes. Um,
0: I've been um, Yes, please. sorting out all these ideas that you are bringing, which are beautiful. And I want I want to tell you how I'm hearing them. And you you tell me whether I passed or failed. <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> you get a
1: pass for trying.
0: Uh, okay. It's a very powerful story. And this whole idea of Lonian lack is is fascinating to me, uh, and uh, and what here's how I would put this together right now: you have this crisis, and um, and what happens is uh, she, the the Connie cries out um, and calls out what what she does not have, and she cries out to another, who, in his or her response, uh, does not also knows they don't have the capability to give to her what she needs. And beyond what that happens is that these two lacks, as you call them, actually bring us into that collective humanity and and actually in that moment shifts both participants in the crisis. And one's own responsibility to oneself and what they lack is aw- uh, awakened and aroused.
1: Yes. And, and brought to the collective dimension, beyond what I, it's like, it, I can't give you what you need, but I can give you this. And this, that has exceeded how I've ever been before through love, as Lacan would say it.
0: Yeah, and you see, when I think of uh, all that you're around catastrophe and social action and political uh, issues and that sort of thing, at that moment, um, hmm. It's a lack of recognition of our lack <laughs> <laughs> where, where we try to run in and say, I can solve this. I'm the fixer. I can do this. You should vote this way, do this, da 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 da. Yes. And to, because we're terrified of our lack.
1: Yeah.
0: And yet it's in our lack that we discover the other. That's my take on your words.
1: All right. And that's really well put, I would say. And it extends how I was even thinking about it because it means that's what we as analysts. Can facilitate or follow in the dyad is the awareness of my own constituent lack so when it gets evoked in the other or others I can have an internal engagement with it that doesn't become um, like g- grade school you know it, it exceeds that that we have to go through that but do you like me no i don't like you are you, you know it uh, yeah so that's what some, that's a way we are relevant in this collective question
0: yeah yeah I, I know you were going to say something more about trans subjectivity so i, I now that you've given me a pass <laughs> i
1: don't
0: oh. <laughs> uh, please go ahead yes. what you're going to say
1: well, so I'm going to skip around here, but so the so the subject, in a sense, if we were to put words to it, says her fate is also mine and all yes. of ours. That's yes. yeah.
0: That's very Levinasian, isn't it?
1: Yes, it is very much the logical reason. But we stay yes. The that Thank you for saying that reference. The logic, when he says logical, Lacan means unconscious or the. The psychical reasoning in the third moment opens the subject's formulation of a truth it now believes is shared by the group. So, this is so then there's a wow, this we move from our own narcissism, we're moving to the different stages of narcissism, I and other, to oh, now the group. (laughs) And that, and sometimes we're the first to think of it. And then others sometimes follow. Like it was Lucy. No, I'm not, not going to go into that story, but so let's stick with this story. So, the subject of Lacan's third moment has acknowledged to himself his own limits and culpability in Connie's dilemma and now extends this responsibility to the group through which he believes is a shared yet unspoken truth. And so what the subject has tremulously and still privately concluded may be formally articulated this way. So so here, it, so, the more, yes, go ahead.
0: Well, um, in contemporary psychoanalytic theory, we talked about the third. And uh, one of the things that I'm hearing with trans is that there's two subjects that have discovered something within themselves in the in-between,
1: Yes, the yes.
0: And subjectivity is something that occurs beyond them.
1: Right. Well said. And the, the relational people, I would like to see them extend that to the group. And and that's beginning to happen, but I'll talk about that later. I think we all have so much to teach each other, don't you? Yeah. So with this vignette, it culminates in and now this is would be if we could put into words what is inarticulatable um which is the object of which was the challenge of writing this cha- this chapter so so this here the subject says was saying to themselves the mortifying effects of shame i feel towards myself for having AIDS in the first place and have likewise inflicted on connie in her nakedness can now be recognized as not entirely originating from my own constitutive vulnerability or lack but perpetuated by a brute and senseless reality outside of myself that I complicitly supported. We are participating victims in a society that condones exclusivity, and we must conceive of ourselves as formally responsible. This is a Zizek quote. These societal forces that once gave us a sense of belonging, identity, and hope for a future worth living have now turned against us when we became infected with HIV-AIDS. The medical system, government, and people on the street, even our own friends and family disavow our suffering, treat us like leper things, and look at us with terror and contempt. We have to lie about our health status or elsewhere or else we will lose our jobs, our sexual desirability, our families and friends, our homes, or any desirable social standing within the society we contributed to and atten- depended upon for care. And then the most important sentence: This is the concluding. These norms create the very criteria through which each of us is judged, and, but emotion I say they are not my own your own or Connie's that's a trans transubject, transjeive moment yeah when we become not empowered. Own, not
0: your own yeah and then what's the third one not my own your but,
1: own. Uh, um, they are not my own or Connie's uh, I just lost it
0: I think and then you said they are our own
1: they just uh, a minute. They, these norms create the very criteria through each of us is judged. They are not my own, your own, or Connie's. So that leaves the space. So what do we believe? How can we empower ourselves in such a circumstance?
0: So I have a question about that. Can we? And how? what is your feeling these days about the condition of our... <laughs> civil discourse and can we actually can we
1: well i think we are we're seeing it in labor union development we're seeing it um, i'm looking now at a paper that beautiful paper that was written toward a psychological framework of radical healing in communities of color uh, that you can get easily off the internet i'm seeing it and there's a book that came out by Gottsambadi, uh, Daniel Jose Gottsambadi, called, you know, that history, people's history of psychoanalysis. He's beginning to talk about um, the the need for psychoanalysis to embrace liberatory and decoloniality, liberatory practices and decoloniality challenges the things that I'm saying. Um, the um, have to, uh, AA groups are uh, the, 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 the wisdom behind group uh, um, AA groups that's already in place, ways of building solidarity during a crisis of alcoholism. But then there's, um, I'm going to do a plug for Dean Spade, and I'm writing about him and thinking about him now as Dean Spade, a Seattleite um, who wrote this book, That it's it's very easy to read and if you want to begin to get support for how to lead mutual aid groups which support empowerment within the group, it's called Mutual Aid Dean Spade is his name, Building Solidarity During This Crisis and The Next Now he's a social activist, he's done a lot in the trans community and, and others he's a scholar, he's a lawyer, and he's extremely accessible and the second half of the book and I have shared this with analysts I mean uh, because it you don't have to do eight years of training about how to lead a group as I did but there are some basic fundamentals we can learn that that promote a, a kind of a democratic forum that's not that that's soft hierarchical and and not crushing to um, you, you know that uh, that that builds, empowerment within its ranks. Like, pod, I know we can do that. We're already doing it. We did it 30 years ago. In fact, across across the land, these kind of mutual aid um, grassroots, it's through the grassroots that we need to do it. You, let's face it, you and I aren't going to be president or policymakers except within our spheres of influence. And it's through our spheres of influence that we can Basically, learn how to lead the groups we already are in, like in in your analytic training like you're doing, right, or in all the teaching that you do and the way you write and the way you talk about what you write. It's a fierce responsibility. You want to empower the people that you're teaching so that they can carry it and not, versus you're the one that you're not this way, I can tell, but the, the way we're trained is the one who knows dictates right you know what I'm saying, yeah. Or, or at consultation groups, they're oh, the worst. We have this rigid, you know, versus following with with the analysis and, uh, or the candidate needs or the, the the student needs to learn, versus coming in with the curriculum that's crammed down their throat that may or may not be useful, et cetera, et cetera. I can go on and on about it, but so yeah, I feel I do feel hopeful, and because these these mutual aid groups, they've been happening for. Uh, mutual aid has been since the beginning of time hunter gatherers um were, were mutual aid groups we can just 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 survive so yeah. yes i do feel hopeful
0: good, good for you so now i'm i'm feeling a little better than when we began <laughs> <laughs> so that's helpful uh, the other thing I, I wanted to say and we'll have to talk sometime but uh have created a, a whole new um consultation model that, oh, you have good. Yeah, and it's pretty cool because it is a lot of what you're talking about. Where it's not, uh, well, I won't go into it now. So we'll have to talk about that some other time. Oh. It does it does have a trans subjective goal and idea to it uh, that is community based rather than expert based? And um, I think there is way oh. we can actually in, impact a change in our in our in our field, but also um, I think it can be broadened out to how we live in the world. So. Absolutely. Um, for our listeners, um, and of course, time is always an issue. But I, I just, if you could tell me again, you, uh, we have the Gatz and Baby that you gave, and to our listeners, the title of his book is um, A People's History of Psychoanalysis: Yes. The boy to Liberation uh, Psychology and Psychoanalysis in the Barrio. Yes. It, wonderful work. And then you mentioned. Um, wrote it here somewhere, but if you could tell, give the citation for the,
1: uh, the Afri- paper,
0: the African American. Uh, yeah, yeah,
1: so I'm looking for that now. So, oh, oh there's another, there's two papers that I want, there, there's um, Towards a Psychological Framework of Radical Healing in Communities. If you, uh, just Google that, and you can, I, I believe, I, I don't think I paid for this paper, but there's a number of authors, it's very well written, meaning uh, it's they write better than I do in terms of uh, because it's very clear what their um, approach is and and what the influences that they're bringing. And then the other paper I want to recommend that I just started reading. Uh, it's called it's by Hass- Hassinger and Pivnik. Can
0: you? Hassinger,
1: yeah, P I V N I C K and Hassing Jane Hassinger H A S S I N G E R. And the title speaks to what it is. She's talking about, and this is from the, in the International Journal of Psychoanalysis, and they're from the relational school, the, com, the, the community turn. Oh, love I like that. that. Yeah. I love that. And, and then it goes, Relational Citizenship in the cool. Psychoanalytic Community Collaboratory.
0: Wow. it's good.
1: It's a good paper. And she... Says some of the things I'm. Mean, she doesn't use the word subjective but she's talking. She's moving it forward into the commune, into the collaboratory.
0: Uh huh. That's great.
1: During COVID. The,
0: the author of the first one. I'm sorry. Towards radical healing. What was that? Uh,
1: okay. The authors. The okay. The, the French is the last name. French is, uh, Lewis is a last name. Okay. Mosley. Oh okay yeah. Adams A D A M E S. Chavez Duenas D U E N A S.
0: Okay, I think that many should get us there. So thank yeah. you so yeah, much. Yeah. For those. Okay. Yep. Um, so I want to ask you. Uh, you already answered the question about how how you're feeling these days about the condition of our world, and I, I'm still a little disconcerted, and I, I get thrown a lot into how to how to live in this world and. Um, I think one of the things I had mentioned to you that I feel we're at the extreme so much. And I'm curious what sometimes we might say to our, to, I don't know about yourself, but our less left leaning selves, because sometimes I feel like this wokeness uh, often seems to imply simply be the other end of the far right, where there's only object rightness and wrongness with very little trans subjectivity. Am I off on that? Or I know Uh, that's throwing me off.
1: Well, Project Quest was very diverse, with lots of left and rightists. And even though AIDS was the central common denominator and AIDS allies, what we call that now, what we would call it now, it was a diverse group. Some people had had no therapy. Some people were newly off drugs or still on them and were getting help with that. Some people were extremely wealthy, others were not. There was lots of different religions represented. Um, and uh, experience of gayness. So, the wh- what happens when you have a mutual aid group? I'm just going to call a mutual aid group, which um, it, which its basic conditions allow for empowerment, where individuals take responsibility and and can make contribution towards the group. Is that uh, this can um, is that. In that empowerment, towards a shared, working towards a shared goal, everybody contributes what they have. There is not about who's the smartest or who has the most money or anything like that. It's more about, and people step into the center and they create programs that everybody needs based on what they have to contribute. And I see this happening in the board that I'm on right now. It's the best board I've ever been on. We, I would say we function largely in a mutual aid way. Where we might have a chair, but we have committee heads that actually function together. We critique each other's work, and we greatly support each other's work. We ask for help, and that kind of thing. And then um, we are actively working towards changing our group the International Association for Jungian Studies. That's that. The, I'm the co-editor of that journal. So, you know, so that's what I'm talking about. So we we can, it's already happening. It's not that it's, but it means we have to hold a, a way of being in groups that is, um, there has to be a container that the group is in that that, that, that I talk endlessly about this in the book writing now, like what, are the conditions that contribute? And I'd also talk about it, I think, in the second chapter of, of the present book we're talking about, But like, like what are the conditions that contribute to a mutual aid society, to a mutual aid culture or a heuristic culture is what I'm saying.
0: Well, Robin, we're having to come to an end here pretty quickly. Uh, what you just uh, taught me, though, in those last few seconds, <laughs> I take you back to uh, the line that you said earlier in the podcast of Catastrophe. When I asked about all this wokeness and all that, you you said catastrophe opens us to a wound, our our wound of being vanity, and and I think that the AIDS um, AIDS story did bring very divergent uh, populations together, and in that common catastrophe they found healing, and um, I'm hopeful that we can. uh, uh, I don't want more catastrophe, but maybe. Where I have um diverted my eyes from what you're trying to message here is from the fact that there is a catastrophe, and um how am I participating in it so I'm really grateful to you for all of that um I just want to give you an opportunity to tell our audience um like uh two things one, any last word you want to leave with our listeners and then just letting us know what's next for you,
1: yeah so. You're a great summarizer. I really appreciate that because I'm, I'm writing down what you say because it also extends how I've been thinking about it, and you say it in a way that I hadn't thought of, so thank you for that. Um, but I would say that in catastrophe, my wound, the wound of the world opens me to my own wound that then allows me to have a possibility of, uh, of making a collective Difference through action through action and, and the community at, from a from a, uh, a, a, a how to say from the from the graph from a, from the grassroots. So where I'm Struggling along with this is in the various professional communities. I'm in in my family extended family and in my friend group finding ways in which we can make a difference that changes the, so that uh, particularly in our discipline, let me, let me stick with that so that we become viable. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, we have one minute left. What is is next for you?
1: As I've already said, I'll just tell the title of the book. Let's just accepted our we have a contract, so I'm thrilled about that. My, Lucia Graham and I. And so this book we've been working on since 2015, which is a mental health and mutual aid hybrid book. Here's the title, The Healing Power of Community in Mutual Aid Cultures. Exploring Radicalized Mental Health Through the AIDS Crisis. So that and other things are that's the the, the, the front. That's on that's on my canvas right now.
0: Oh, that's great.
1: Thank you for asking.
0: Yes. Well, thank you so much for letting me uh, interview you and get better acquainted with you and this lovely book that you've uh, produced. Thank you Mm. so much.
1: And thank you.